the Spirit of God would say unto you this day that my power of restoration is in this place right now. And that which the enemy has meant for evil, I by my grace am turning around now for your good. And I will restore unto you that which has been lost, and I will bring it to pass quickly, saith the Lord. So exercise your faith in my restoring power. Exercise your faith in my recovering power. And the power of the Lord shall permeate your very being and go to work in you and through you and for you. And you shall have great cause for rejoicing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Oh, bless the Lord. The rest of us just raise our hands with him. Oh, I receive. I receive your recovering power, your restoration. We take authority over that spirit of grief. We demand that you stop. We demand that you desist in your maneuvers against my brother and against my sister. And in the name of Jesus, we demand you to leave right now. And Lord, we thank you for your power, the restoring power of God, that which recovers, that which brings back, that which causes joy and great, great rejoicing. We give you glory. Come on, folks, let's rejoice in the Lord. Oh, Rabasanda. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Masete. Mandalaba. And I heard this. You think that you've lost a job. It's only temporary, says the Lord. I got something better for you right around the corner. So don't be sad any longer. But rejoice and be glad and expect me to turn things around for you. For great favor is gone before you. Great favor is surrounding you. And great favor is working on your behalf right now. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for restoring that job. Father, we thank you for new jobs. We thank you for promotion. We thank you for increase for your people today. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In the name above every name. Come on, let's sing it again. There's power in the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. There is power in the name above every name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise God. Turn, shake hands with a few folks and tell them there's power in his name. And I receive it today. Hallelujah. I like that. Get used to rejoicing. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's believe God as we approach the word this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much that you said in your word that we could believe for utterance. Lord, we ask for utterance. We ask, sir, for our eyes to be flooded with light and our hearts to be strengthened. 
and our lives to be encouraged and to be lifted today. We love you, Lord. And we sense your love and your favor upon each and every one of us. We thank you that you said in your word that without faith it is impossible to please you. But thank God we are a people of faith. And we believe that you are pleased with your people today. And we thank you, Lord, for rewarding those who diligently seek you. Not casually, but diligently seek your will and your plan. We give you praise and we give you glory for it this day. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's look in our Bibles to Psalms 9, the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Uh, the title of my message this morning is No More Limits, and the subtitle is this, We Are Not Subject to the Times That We Live In. We Are Not Subject to the Times. In Psalms 9, verse 9 and 10, it says, The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. I love the Amplified Version. It says, The Lord will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and stronghold in times of trouble, high costs, destitution, and desperation. So number one, we see that we can make the Lord our refuge, that we can be those that are in right standing with God. And when trouble comes, the Bible says the righteous runneth into it and we are safe. Hallelujah. And verse 10 says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. We just quoted that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you can expect in your life, when you diligently seek him with a pure heart, hallelujah, that you will never, ever be forsaken. He will not relax his hold on you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you without support. He said, assuredly not. He said, I am yours and you are mine. I'm on your side. And if I be for you, who can be against you? Thank God he will not forsake those who seek the Lord. How many seekers we got today? Well, that's all of us. Amen. So, we are not subject to the times in which we live. We are not subject, neither do we, or do we live under the dominion, under the rule, under the influence of whatever the world system or whichever way it's moving. We are not of this world. We are of God. And when you are of God, and you know that the greater one lives in you, it does not matter what might be going on in the world, because you know that your God will liberally see to it that you make it through every test, every trial, every circumstance, because you have made him your refuge. Say with me, the times in which I live, they are subject to the authority of the Word, 
to faith in the blood of Jesus and to the name above every name. The fact of the matter is this, is you and I, we are governed by another kingdom. We are governed by another system. We are governed by the kingdom of God. And I've discovered that in the kingdom of God, there is righteousness. In the kingdom of God, there is shalom. There is a peace that passeth understanding. In the kingdom of God, there is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So therefore, we are not subject to Wall Street. We are not subject to the Democrats. We are not subject to the Republicans. We pray for our government. It is our responsibility and it is our duty to pray that God's will be done in Washington, D.C. as it is in heaven. So we don't criticize any politicians. We don't lower ourselves and demean ourselves to talk badly about our government. If you're going to talk about your government, you better be talking some God talk. What do you mean God talk? I'm talking word talk. I'm talking praying in the Holy Ghost talk. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray the perfect will of God for your nation. Whoo, glory to God. And he's not done with the USA. Haven't you heard that there's revival in the land? Haven't you heard that the rain has fallen? Hallelujah. I've discovered this, that Jesus is the alpha and the developer, and he is the omega. What he started in you, what he started in this nation, he will develop and he will finish it. Hallelujah. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. God is on the throne. And he is working in the name of Jesus. So look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Colossians, the first chapter in the 12th verse, it says this, giving thanks unto the Father. We should be developing a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I mean, you get a parking place where there ain't no parking place, give God some thanks. When you go to Lucky this week, and it should have been $104, and the cashier says, Oh, all these items have been on sale. You only owe us $44. You better give God some praise. You better give God some thanksgiving. I mean, you go shopping, you pick up three shirts, you pick up a couple dresses, and you didn't even notice, but it's 70% off. Woo! Give thanks to God. Give thanks for the food you eat. Give thanks for the people that will wait on you today at your lunch or your meal. And then do this. Double up on your tip. Hallelujah. Giving thanks. Well, giving thanks unto who? Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, 
That word meat there is a little blind to us. The word meat in the Greek literally means this. To enable, to qualify, to make able, and to equip you. So we could read it like this. The Father has made you able. He has equipped you to partake of the inheritance that belongs to the saints in light. Listen, friend, all the equipment that you need, all the ability that I need is on the inside of us, which will enable us to partake of this inheritance, not when we get to heaven, but in the here and in the now. Whoo, glory to God. Now, if you had a relative that died and they left you an inheritance, you don't want to wait till you die to get that inheritance. Right? No, you're, you're going to go to the funeral and you're going to pay your respects and you're going to sorrow not as others which have no hope. Amen. There's going to be tears. But about a week or two later, you're going to ask, how much daddy leave me? How much mama leave me? Come on, aren't you? You're going to want to know how much is left. And by the way, you're not going to fight with your relatives over it. Amen. But the point is, you're going to want to partake of that which belongs to you or that which has been left to you right now. Because you aren't going to be able to spend it in heaven. You might as well spend it right now. Likewise, this inheritance that belongs to you right now, Jesus, the Son of the living God, went to Calvary, shed His blood, died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. And He says, I not only died for you, but I'm alive forevermore, and I'm going to see to it that you partake of your inheritance right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So everything you need, everything you'll ever need, all the equipment you need to partake of this inheritance is in you right now. Listen to this statement. This inheritance is received by faith, not earned by works. This inheritance is received by faith, not by works. So the equipment that God has given us to receive our inheritance is the God kind of faith. He has placed in every one of us at the new birth incorruptible seed. And in that incorruptible seed that we've received at the new birth is the faith of God. And with the faith of God, you and I can access and tap into the inheritance that belongs to us right now. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Now look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Galatians, the fourth chapter, the sixth and seventh verse. It says, And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, 
And what is he crying? How many of you know what Abba Father means? Abba Father means Daddy, Daddy. And your Heavenly Father loves you so much that he wants to wrap his arms around you and breathe into you strength and breathe into you life and breathe into you encouragement. Amen. I got to do that with my grandkids these past two weeks. I got to put my arms around little Eden. Now, I'm not her daddy, but I'm her papa. And I'll tell you what, when papa holds little Eden, oh, she smiles real big. And then baby blues just shine. And the other night I was down in Costa Mesa with my other two granddaughters, Olivia, that's going to be seven, and little Lucy, which is about six months old. We got to go for a walk and just got to hold them and to, to love on them. Got in bed with Olivia and read her a bedtime story. And just put my arms around my little grandchildren. Oh, man. It don't get no better than that. And I'm telling you what. In the arms of your father. In his loving arms. In his strong arms. He places his arms around you. And he just loves you. And encourages you. And it don't get no better than that. Did you know this? And this is a little side journey. But sometimes these side journeys help us as much as anything. Did you know this? That your father, he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Did you know that? I mean, I'm not talking about knowing it here. But I'm talking about knowing it down here. Look at John 17, 23. Hallelujah. Your father loves you. John 17, 23. It says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know, that the world may know. Now, how in the world is the world going to know? They're going to see this love on you and all over you and flowing through you. That the world may know that thou hast sent me, amen, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Whoo, hallelujah. My father loves me and loves you as much as he does Jesus. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed. That is when we take and receive this love and then we show forth this love to our neighbors, to people we've never seen before, to people we have never known before. I'm telling you what, the love of God on the inside of you will not only cause you to never fail, but God's love in you and through you will make you irresistible. I mean, it's true. People will just want to be around you. They may not know exactly what it is about you, but they'll know that something different, something different about that brother, something different about that sister, something different. Hallelujah. We could say someone different. Someone put his love on the inside of it. Oh, man. God loves us so much. And did you know 
that you and I are so privileged to hear the word. You know, when I think about how many messages I've heard during my lifetime, I just stand in amazement at God's favor upon my life. I'm thinking, Lord, you're so good to me. You have placed me at the feet of some of the greatest teachers and some of the greatest preachers in the land throughout decades. And the world around us hasn't even heard one. I said, the world around us most of all, mostly haven't heard one message on faith. They haven't heard one message on the Father's love. You know what that says to us? That says to us that we have a responsibility. As long as we have breath to proclaim the good news and to proclaim the love of God to the people that are around us. You know, the gospel is good news. The gospel's good news. And when God's goodness shows up in your life, people are going to see it. What's different about Reuben? How, how can he have a smile on his face? I mean, gasoline just went up. What, what's different about Frank? What the, how come he can smile on the job? I know for a fact that things aren't going that well, but Frank's got a smile on his face. What's different about him? What's different about you? His name is Jesus. Jesus. And when the world sees the goodness of God in your life, that will cause them and lead them to repentance. It is the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that will lead people to repentance. Oh, man. I just heard a testimony the other day. My oldest son, John, was telling me about it. John uh, is, is one of the pastors uh, at a church down in Irvine, California called Mariners. Great church. And, uh, you know, they love the Lord. They may not be charismatic, but they love Jesus. How many of you know God loves to bless churches that love Jesus? Yeah. And, and, that, and that have a mission. Have, a, have such a, a call on their lives for the cause of Christ. And uh, the other week, they had a, a, a man from Egypt in there preaching the gospel. And you know, the first thing we think of when we think of Egypt, we think of Muslims and terrorists and all these bad and evil things that are going on. But he pastors right in Cairo, and they are experiencing an explosion of the goodness of God. I'm telling you, wherever there is a hungry heart, God will show up. And so we ought not be looking down on the Muslim community. We ought to be lifting them up and praying for them that they get a revelation of the true and living God. Come on, somebody. You know, we, uh, we're only, uh, oh maybe a mile from a mosque. We live out in Union City, and we're about a mile from a mosque, right on there, Alvarado Boulevard and, and uh, Lowry Avenue. And, and people just come by the thousands on Friday. You know, those people, for the most part, they have a hunger in their heart. Now, they're hooked with the wrong God. Come on, somebody. But I've discovered this that God 
will make himself known and he will satisfy the longing soul. I look out there and the kids are out there playing on the playground and I compare them with my grandchildren and I'm thinking, oh man, these poor children growing up in that kind of a home where Jesus is not preached. And it causes me to pray. We ought to be praying for that community. I'm telling you, the outpouring includes them. Because when they get poured on by the Holy Spirit, they'll no longer be committed Muslims. They'll be committed Christians. And I'll tell you what's happening in Egypt. And this came from a non-charismatic church. John told me that this guy stood up and preached. And he said, Jesus himself is appearing to Muslims in the Middle East. And he's telling them that he is Lord and he is the true and the living God. Glory to God. And people are coming out of that religion by the thousands. See, what the news would have you to believe is that this whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. But what the Word says, the Word says that God so loved the world. Come on, that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Our hearts should beat with the heart of God. I'm telling you, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. And it's time for those that sit in darkness to see a great light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody says, can, can someone without Jesus go to heaven? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Whether that be Muslim or Jew, there's no one that will go to heaven unless they have Jesus Christ in their heart. Amen. And so what our job is to do this, not to talk them out of this and out of that, but show the love of God and let God be God. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw all men unto me. And that was not in my notes. But I tell you what, I'm happy about harvest. I'm happy about what Jesus is doing. I'm happy about what he will do. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, here is a fact. We have an inheritance. We are, in fact, heirs of God. You and I have been placed into the family of God. And notice with me in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. He says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Daddy, Daddy, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Say this with me real strong. I am an heir of God through Christ. Now, here's what an heir is. I love this definition. In the Greek, an heir is one who receives an inheritance by right of birth. One who receives an inheritance by right of birth. We've been born again into the royal family as heirs into our Father's kingdom. 
Now look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Let's look at this scripture. In Romans the 8th chapter, the 17th verse, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we see, number one, that we have an inheritance, that we are heirs of God, and now we are joint heirs with Jesus. Now here's what joint heirs means. A joint heir in the Greek means one who is in union together with an inheritor. You are in union with Christ by virtue of the new birth. Now, did you wear your shouting clothes today? Look at over at Ephesians chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 6 and 7. Say it with me, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happened at the new birth. Let's read together. Verse 6. Ready? Read. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, you don't need to put it up there, but in the Amplified says, He did this that He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come. Now, listen. The immeasurable, the limitless, the surpassing riches of His free grace. I said all that to say this to you today. This inheritance that He has for you and me, this inheritance, it's immeasurable. It's limitless. That means no more limits. And this inheritance is surpassing. It surpasses anything that you could even ask or think. This inheritance is to be received by faith. Amen. Now look back at Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. We quoted verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father which hath made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now notice verse 13 of Colossians 1. It says, who has delivered us. Now I am not about to be delivered from drugs. I've been delivered from drugs. Amen. You are not about to be delivered from depression. You've been delivered from depression. We need to understand this, that our deliverance has already taken place more than 2,000 years ago. Somebody says, yeah, but I'm just now finding out about it. Well, praise God, be delivered. I said, be delivered. Be set free. You don't need cigarettes no more. You don't need to be obese anymore. You don't need to be full of fear and full of anxiety anymore. Your inheritance has been bought and paid for. I've been delivered. I don't have to go to a special prayer meeting and throw up in a can to be delivered. I've been delivered. I don't have to throw up any devils. Jesus threw all the devils out. He's already delivered you. Say it with me. I've been been delivered. delivered. You've been delivered from fear. Stop yielding to fear. Stop yielding to worry. You have been set free from that spirit of fear. Notice with me verse 13. Who has delivered us from everything that's dark. And not only that. 
But he translated us. What did he translate us into? He translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, thank you, Lord. That word translated, by the way, means transferred. That means we've been transferred from one kingdom to another. And the word translated means this, to carry away, to remove from one place to another. Somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, I don't like the place I'm in. Well, let God transfer you. Let God translate you. Let Him deliver you. Let Him bring you out of darkness into light. Let Him bring you into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Put in for a transfer today. (laughs) I'm tired of this life I've been living. I'm tired of trying to live in this life in my own strength, in my own way. Lord, I just turn my life over to you. That's putting in for a transfer. And then all you got to say, Jesus is Lord. And immediately he'll take you out of darkness, put you into the kingdom of God, and place his light on the inside of you. How many of you put in for that transfer years ago? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you're not living over there in the lowlands of demonic influences? Not living over in the lowlands of darkness. But now he's raised you up. He's lifted you up. He's made you to sit together in heavenly places. Now you are a child of God. Woo, glory. Well, I just got to preach just a little while. Now listen to this statement. You've been brought out of darkness into light. So then, we have to adjust our words. We should not be talking doubt and unbelief. We should be talking inheritance. We should not be talking what's going on in our life currently. We should be talking redemption. Let the redeemed... Let the redeemed... Do what? Let them say so. In other words, let them speak their redemption by night and by day. Let the redeemed of the Lord be filled with the knowledge of his will and of his word. And as the redeemed of the Lord mix faith with what they've been filled with and release it out of their mouths, the kingdom of God begins to operate in their lives and they will see the goodness of God show up. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to adjust our words. I've had to do it. How I many of you know your old flesh will want to say things it feels? Your, your old flesh will want to get even. Right? Phew, man. I, I mean, just yesterday I was bringing my car back to the airport and some guy gave me a bad look and, oh, my flesh, man. Oh, shataba shandai. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, 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 love, 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 sweet lips, sweet lips, sweet lips. You know. I mean, I've just been sitting on the Word for 13 hours. My old flesh wanted to get nasty, I'm telling you. But that's where adjusting your words and adjusting your thoughts, and adjusting your actions according to the king's way of doing things. The kingdom of God has a new way of speech. The kingdom of God has a new way of thinking. And the kingdom of God has a new way of acting. 
And this does not come by being a slouch. This does not come by hit and miss it Christianity. The enemy's a thief. And he comes to do what? Steal. What is the number one thing that he's trying to steal from you? He's trying to steal the word. He's trying to steal the word that is being sown in your heart right now. Don't be surprised that before the day is out, you have a major test to something you just heard about. Because the devil is just a thief. He wants to steal. And really, before he can kill, he has to steal. So that's why we need to protect our spirit with all diligence. We need to guard our heart well with the truths we're hearing now, but with the truths we have heard in years past and in decades past. And so we must adjust our words, our thoughts, and our actions to the kingdom that we've been translated into, or listen, we will just keep living in the dark. We'll just keep living in the dark. The adjustment of our words and our thoughts and our actions, one way to do that is to do it daily. You want to know how to do it? Let me show you how to do it. Every day, before you leave your house, just lift up your life to the Lord. And say, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice to you. I am yours to order And I am yours to serve. Today I acknowledge you as my Lord, my Master, and my Savior. I pray that you'll keep me, that you'll direct my paths. And Lord, I pray that you put a watch. Come on. Put a watch. Put a watch over the words of my mouth. Place your life into the hands of Jesus every day. And say, Lord, this morning I commit not to be conformed to this world, not to live my life according to the flesh, but I commit my life afresh and anew to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to be changed by the renewing of my mind by the Word of God. That's the way to start your day. Listen, there are so many people who have been delivered from the power of darkness, but they're still living like they're in the darkness. In, in practicality, it's called being a carnal Christian. How many of you know that most people in the world are dead? They're dead. They're spiritually dead. They don't know Jesus. They're spiritually dead. And you know what dead people do? Dead people would do what dead people do. They sin. Most people in the world are dead, but most Christians are asleep. Most Christians are asleep. Now, I didn't say you were. That's not us, right? That's not me. You better say it right now. That ain't me. That that, that ain't my loved ones. I'm not asleep. 
Not this bunch here. We're not asleep. I'm looking. Most Christians are asleep. They don't read their Bible. It is the enemy's will to dull you and to dumb you down to where you're just living exactly like the world. He wants to make you dumb and dumber. It's true. That is what makes carnal Christians. A carnal Christian is a Christian who lives their life completely according to the flesh. But that ain't us. I said, that ain't us. That ain't me. That ain't you. We're alive. We're awake. We're going somewhere. We got a purpose in life. God has put his plan on the inside of us. We're not unwise. We understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's what you and I are doing in this place. We're redeeming the time. Did you know what? You valued going to church and being in the word more than you valued staying home and just sleeping in bed. And you know what that is? That time has become a seed. And that seed that you're sowing right now, and by the way, it's 1235. We're almost closed. Don't get nervous. Don't sow nervous seeds. (laughs) That seed that you're sowing in the eyes of God is extremely valuable. Now listen, here's what God is doing and will do for you because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. He will take that seed that you have sown and he will begin to multiply it. And listen, he will redeem the time for you. What does that mean, redeem the time? I don't know how he does it, but I know that he's a master at doing it. He can place in your schedule just such an anointing that you can get more done in one hour than it used to take you 24 hours. Have you found out that to be true? I mean, when you really place your life in the hands of God, you've seen God do things for you that, man, you couldn't figure out how it got done, but by the grace of God, it got done. Hallelujah. I refuse to be a carnal Christian. And I could be if I wanted to be. All I have to do is turn the TV on for about eight hours a day. What's your name? All I got to do is go hang out with Pookie and them, and I'll tell you what. I'll be as carnal as a whole hoot all. Just get out of the Word for a full week. And you'll start thinking wrong. You sure enough will be speaking wrong. Here's the thing. 
It's because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Whatever you put in your heart in abundance is going to come out. Whatever you think on, whatever we behold is what we will become. Now in Romans 8 it says this, to be carnally minded produces death. And death is darkness, right? Somebody says, are you on me about being carnal? No, he's the Holy Spirit. For to be carnally minded is life. No. No. To be carnally minded is what? Death. But oh, thank God. Let's close with this. Look at Romans 8, 6. Everybody stand up. Glory to God. Everybody stand up. Say, that's me. And so we must get our minds renewed to the reality of the kingdom of God and that we are in that kingdom. Look at Romans 8, verse 6. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but this is us. To be spiritually minded. What? Spiritually minded. Life and peace. Come on, raise your hands and thank Him for it. Glory to God. Thank you for the life of God. Thank you for the peace of God. Thank you for moving, Lord, in our lives today. In the-